This kind of touches on that phrase, quiet quitting. The woman who is credited with originating that phrase of quiet quitting, it wasn't doing the bare minimum. It was doing 100% and doing a good job. It was just not doing that extra stuff after hours. It was giving it your all during hours. You didn't pay me for my personal life. But she brought discretionary effort, just not discretionary extra time. Welcome to the Manage Self, Lead Others Leadership Podcast with Nina Sunday for experienced and aspiring people managers. This show helps you explore ways to become a more intentional leader. Each episode, host Nina Sunday speaks with some of the brightest business minds on the planet who share a passion to elevate and transform team culture. Workplace culture hides in plain sight. Is yours flourishing? Join the movement to make your workplace a better place to work. Are you ready? Because it's time to manage self, lead others. Drawing on experience in companies from startup to ginormous and roles in sales, marketing, product and executive roles, Mark Bounty encountered and battled mediocrity in many forms over decades. Mark wrote the bestseller Radical Value to focus on the most important part of business, one most companies do most poorly focusing on customer value and fighting the sales mediocrity that makes his blood boil, discounting your way out of poor selling. Mark lives in Phoenix, Arizona, father of two. Welcome, Mark Bounty. Nina, thanks for having me on. (laughs) And I I can't wait for you to uh, tell everybody about mediocrities.wtf and uh, this project that you're doing to fight mediocrity in the workplace. Um, Tell us more about that. Well, my partner, Christina, and I were, we we got together and the idea is we both have been frustrated, just like most people in the world, with the prevalence of mediocrity. The whole world is bathed in mediocrity. As a matter of fact, it's drowning in mediocrity. And it's so bad that we often don't realize when we're being mediocre. We're so condi- we're so conditioned to it that we think it's normal. And as a matter of fact, if we work in a big enough company, we call our mediocrity best practices. That's extreme. So well, what what is a really typical example of mediocrity from your perspective? And I'll probably share one of mine. Well, you know, um, I had I, I have a client who was complaining about a vice president. You know, he's yeah a director level person in his company, and he's trying to get him to onboard with a change, a big important, going to help the company win change. And the guy looked at him straight in the face and said, "I didn't last twenty years here by sticking my neck out." <laughs> oh, that's. Oh my goodness, that's just all right. Uh, it, it's shocking, but what's even more shocking is that he's able to say it out loud. What's even more shocking is that people say that there are enough people in a company that say, "Yeah, damn right." Right? How mediocre is that? Um, mediocre is because I told you to. Mediocre is there's no money for that. Mediocre is your chapter. That's what I pay them for. Mediocre is we can fix that with a reorg, right? There's yeah. a million, right? Reorg is that's the way we've always done it. 
or mediocre is that's the way we've always done it. So mediocrity, when we started, you know, Christina and I started this thing, we said, oh, well, let's, let's write articles. Let's write chapters in a book. And each one will have the title of the chapter will be a statement from this fictional character who is an ancient Greek philosopher named Mediocrates. And so Mediocrates is the first person to said, that's the way we've always done it. Mediocrates is the first one who said, we'll fix that with a reorg, or there's no money for that, or that's what I told, I pay them for, right? So each chapter. And so we said, well, if we're going to have a book, we got to have like 40 chapters. And so let's each think of 25 and that way we'll have a total of 50 and we'll be able to keep the 40 best. Well, the next day we had 70, right? Because you, you created worked, 70 book t- uh, chapter titles. We've created 70 chapter titles. Right. And then we, we brought it up to like some friends. And within a week, we had 150 of these mediocre statements. And that was just people who understood leadership. And so there's there's hundreds of them in sales. There's hundreds of mediocre things in marketing. There's a hundred mediocre things in finance and in entrepreneurship. You teach excellence in a in a lot of management areas, which means you fight a certain number of a certain type of mediocrity. So excellence is the you know the excellence you teach is fighting some flavor of mediocrity. So we're getting. We're getting experts from all over the world in all kinds of different disciplines talking about the mediocrity they fight. And the thing is, normally, if somebody was going to hire Nina Sunday, they would kind of the mental process before looking up Nina Sunday is I realize status quo is not good enough. There's some trigger event that helps me realize, hey, I'm what I'm doing isn't good enough. Then Somehow or another, they self-diagnose or get some help diagnosing their problem. Then they go out and look for experts in that area they've self-diagnosed. And if Nina is lucky, they looked, they found her on Amazon or they found her on Google, right? And so uh, that's all great. Or they, you know, they ask a friend and Nina was referred to them. What mediocrities does and what we're doing with these is we're getting to that point really early on of that trigger event saying hey mediocrity that flavor of that's mediocre um we want to jar somebody loose we want to verbally with some humor smack them on the side of the head and say you know that thing that you thought was just fine it's totally mediocre and you need to change and so the way to get somebody is not to insult them outright, but to insult them gently with humor. And so that's what mediocrity is doing. Well, I'll give you my example. In Australia, there is a cultural expression called the tall poppy syndrome. Yes. And it's like the tall poppy that grows taller than all the other flowers. It gets c- cut off because all the flowers have to be at the same level. It It comes out in things like, someone new with a bit of energy joins a team and the others will say, you're working too fast. Will you slow down? (laughs) You're you're making us look bad. We're going to have to go faster if you go as fast as you're going. It's like some people just naturally have that high energy. They're the ones that will excel in the organisation, but the others keep dragging them back down. 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. I had one of my first summer jobs uh, in college was in a machine shop in a union machine shop. And um, every time you, I mean, we, the summer help could only run drill presses and even people who were hired after us, after a couple of weeks in the drill presses, you could move up to other machines, but the summer help stayed in the drill presses. The foreman of the drill press department kind of liked that because the summer help, these college boys were the only ones who were working to the prescribed rate, right? Here's this part number, set it up, run, you know, you're going to put this part in the drill press, you drill this hole, you take it out, you put another one in, you drill the hole. And so it was very repetitive, but they told you how many an hour you had to make. Right. And there was a target, right? There was a target and it was made very clear to us in no uncertain term by everybody else in the plant in the factory. You will not go over rate. Do not go over, Right. go over and you'll find a flat tire on your car. Right. And, but out of self-respect, we didn't want to do less. So we knew exactly what we were going to do on a given day. Um, But it's exactly right. That's tall poppy syndrome. If people have had enough approval in their life to succeed or they're not uh, restricted by fear of failure, so if you don't try, I can't fail, you know, (laughs) Uh, people, there's that whole thing around motivation. Um, Vroom has this expectancy uh, theory, which is if you expect to succeed, you will try. But if you, yeah. if you expect to fail, you won't even try. But I tell you what I've noticed even in Australia, uh, because I've had um, students work, you know, in their gap year for me, uh, this one uh, young woman said to me, yes, well, she 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 went on to be a top lawyer. I mean, we're talking 10 years ago. She said, yes, Nina, when I was um, studying and studying hard because I wanted, you know, you have to get the best mark to get into law. I was called a tryhard, and that was a derogatory term. Yes, absolutely. I had never heard of that. I try um, hard at everything I do, even my in, even my garden. <laughs> in uh, in business school, I went to one of the nation's top business schools. Patting right. myself behind the back here, and um, I was that I was one of the people who was always raising my hand and participating in class, and uh, in law school and in business school. They were called gunners. And there was in some classes, they would make up gunner bingo. Before class, you'd make up a bingo card with people's names in it. And when somebody raised their hand, you'd cross that off and we'd see who'd get gunner bingo first. But is that a derogatory thing? Yes, it was a derogatory thing. Is that like from fighter pilots and someone's a gunner or? Yeah. Because they're the ones that are going to be shot down first. No, you're gun. You know, you're gunning for an A. Oh, I see. I see. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So, you know, what's wrong I, I guess with I, gunning for an A? You not, not a, not a darn thing. But and and in fairness to this, um, a lot of these kids were undergrads who kind of had never been out in the real world, right? And that had never had a job. And I had had a job and I came back to school. So I knew what the I knew what the world was like. I had had a job. I had known what a competitive marketplace is. I knew why I wanted to be at business school. I knew what I wanted to learn. 
So I was paying my own money to make sure I learned it. And darn it, if I wasn't going to ask questions and clarifications and and really make sure that I had learned that stuff, because I wasn't paying to go to school. I wasn't paying to get a grade point average. I was paying to learn something that I was going to use. And I knew I, I think that right? so, I think the um the 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 key there is you had skin in the game. You were you said you paid with your own money. Perhaps it was mummy or daddy paying for them. So yeah. they didn't feel yeah. duty bound to well, maybe it wasn't even their choice to go. Maybe they had been pushed. And see, this is it. You have to self-select anything that you do in life. So you yeah. will want to try. Yeah. Mm. Uh skin in the game, great saying. Um, it's actually the title of a fantastic book that I'm partway through from uh, Nicholas Nassim Tlaib, the, the fellow who also wrote Black Swan. Um, he has some a couple of related books. There's um, Anti-Fragile, but he's got one called um, Skin in the Game. Oh, right. and, it's, and he talks about people who don't have skin in the game get mediocre. The mediocre oh, results yes. are from people who don't have skin in the game. So he used examples from business and from politics and from geopolitics and economics and all kinds of examples. Interesting. Um, there, there's there's experiences where I have a friend who's a manager and um, she said that her and a staff member were on location in another city, another state quite a, you know a couple of hours flight away and uh she had to leave early on the friday to get back on her flight and asked this staff member to do some tasks that normally she would do if she wasn't catching a plane the staff member's job was that's a manager's job that's not my job so i'd uh i'm not going to do it she just refused it's yeah. like that's i call that a career limiting response yeah, we we had an acronym for it in one company. It's a CLM. What does that it's stand career, for? Oh, career CLM, limiting. career li- limiting move. <laughs> that was definitely a CLM. Mm. Yep. But this is it. Be- Mediocrities is a CLM. But see, not everybody wants to say be promoted to a higher, you know, to the next level. And maybe it depends on where they are in life. I mean, sometimes people, if they have young families. They just want to get home early because they've got lots of things to do. But absolutely. And um, interestingly enough, I I think this kind of touches on that phrase, quiet quitting. And I I learned something about quiet quitting the other day in one of my other interviews with one of the other experts. And the woman who is credited with originating that phrase of quiet quitting didn't say do it, say, call it, it. It wasn't doing the bare minimum, it was doing 100% and doing a good job. It was just not doing that extra stuff after hours beyond. It was giving it your all during hours, but not stressing and design and saying, I'm not paid. You didn't pay me for my personal life. So not bringing any discretionary effort to the role. Well, she brought discretionary effort, just not discretionary extra time. Oh, okay. Right? Yeah. So she thought she thought creatively. She solved problems. She did a great job, but she wasn't going to sacrifice any of her personal time. She wasn't going to sacrifice 
her personal relationships. And uh, that, I don't know, that sounds a lot less like quiet quitting as much as it's um, just drawing boundaries. Well, having well along that boundaries. continuum, there are people that do actually don't do the best job they can do during the, the time they've been uh, allocated <laughs> to be at work. I call that keeping the seat warm. We we could go on all day about stories of mediocrity, but I want to hear more about this uh, this movement. Tell us about the movement, Mark. Thanks. Well, so we started this thing out as a book, and then as people wanted to join us, there's people, like I said, volunteering their time and, and devoting their creativity and their resources to making it work. And... Christina and I one day were thinking this book, making it a book with a website attached just doesn't seem to capture the energy that we're attracting. It's not a standout. It's what other people do. Yeah. You know, our business model had been, this is a book with a website attached or a series of books if it gets really big. And what people were engaging with, they they were spending their time. And so we realized without even thinking of it, without trying, we had started a movement because yeah. we looked around and, you know, Christina said, Mark, I hate that movement. I, you know, that phrase of a movement, we're not creating a movement. And I said, Christina, look at this person, this person, and this person, they have volunteered. We have followers. Yeah. She said, Mark, you're right. We have followers. We are a movement. And so I I can proudly say even before we are in at you know we've gone to market we have created a movement that people love and want to get involved with and are gung ho supporters of. And so, you've got involved in the project people that are also creating their own movements because I'm yeah. creating a movement of excellence for team transformation and culture trans- transformation. So Exactly. Movements and within so, movements. And so we have to make it easy to turn your movement into a complement to our movement. Yeah. We aren't competing movements. Oh no, we aren't. We aren't taking each other's followers away. Oh no, uh, we're having. But we are a movement. And so yeah. if if we're a movement and not a book with a website attached, what does that look like? And so um, we actually have three levels of membership. We want to make it easy for you to join. And so one of the levels of membership is free. And you can get a free membership and just come on board and read articles and memes and and videos that just make fun of, or uh, if you're a Brit, take the piss out of um, the ridiculousness in the world around us. I love it when you can just start for free because you got got to try before you buy. (laughs) Start for free and just have a laugh. Yeah. However, if you want to move beyond that, and start fixing things, then we've got a real inexpensive paid membership and it costs less than Netflix, right? right. So that at that level of membership, we're going to continue laughing at stuff. But then we say, like you said in your chapter, right? Here's here's the problem. Here's the what it causes. But here's a, a taste of how you get out of it. Here's what you do instead. So that face it, there's the face it level, which is free. Just laugh at it. Fight it has some do it yourself resources for, all right, we have some experts who are really good at helping people get out of this trouble. Here's their free resources and and they're going to give you their, their simple how to's. Now, 
if you want to engage with them personally, you read that and you have questions, you want to go to a, a workshop, you want to learn more, then we have the Change It membership. So if you want to go further, you want to go faster, you want to be interactive with our experts, that's the membership level. So face it is just laugh, laugh at it. Fight it is do it yourself. Change it is get some help. And then if you really want to do that, hire the experts, right? Nina is one of our experts. And if we introduced you to Nina, go ahead and just hire her, get get her on, on your staff and get her uh, participating in your company's success. And so that's our, that is how we want to make it easy for you to join the movement, get something out of the movement and grow the movement. And of course, there's this whole undercurrent of humor all the way through. You know, the articles have to be snarky. We have to do it with insolence, but we also have to do it with a smile on our face. It's like, yeah, yeah. Uh, so and have some so, fun with it. Yeah. So we we have the saying, like, we're delivering excellence with honesty, with impact and with insolence. Yeah. Because we've got to have some fun, because if you don't laugh, you're going to cry at some of this stuff. And so we're going to help you. We're going to help you laugh instead. Yeah. Um, and this this character of mediocrities, you know, it, it's a fictional character, so we can kind of depersonalize it. Uh, and we say mediocrities, the, the, the man is fictional, but all too real. And the interesting thing is it, 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 it's tied in with uh, now I. Your your partner, Christina DiGiacomo, I interviewed her for my podcast. She's episode 39. And I got to know you at episode 44. I had no idea that you were interacting at the time. Uh, I just had met you on the C-Suite Network and loved both your energies. And, of course, she's a philosopher of using ancient Greek philosophy. So she's an industrial philosopher. And, of course, you are the... uh, the amazing radical value <laughs> sales yeah. excellence person. Yeah. yeah. So I had, you know, I, I write my articles and I uh, actually, I get more traction on by posting them on LinkedIn than my own website blog. So I posted an article on LinkedIn and instead of the, the stock photo at the top of the thing, I created a meme. Uh-huh. And, uh, and so there was a quote that said, strive earnestly to imitate your competitors. Yeah. Right. In other words, don't differentiate. Be the same. Um, and but then it was I had tongue a, in cheek. It was very tongue in cheek. And then and so it was a quote from Mediocrates. Yes. So I'd made up this character Mediocrates for the meme. And within five minutes, Christina, like. Started saying this is I'm rolling on the floor. This is hilarious. I'm laughing because she's she is a philosopher, philosopher's philosopher. She's deeply she's brilliant philosopher and a student of philosophy so she loved the idea of creating this and so we were back and forth we got to do something with this this is so great this is so funny we got to do something and so that was the genesis of mediocrities um, and this was this we, was last we, year we've been we've was, been yeah, this was a year, working behind year the scenes a, a year and a half ago i just yeah. kind of made made a snarky remark with a meme uh, accredited to a fictional character that I'd, you know, that I'd made up, Mediocrities. And I do want to, to want to say, if you go to LinkedIn and and look up Mark Boundy, he's written hundreds of articles on LinkedIn, hundreds. Yeah, there's <laughs> lots of good reading there. So, well, so to get you. to the website, it's mediocrities.wtf. 
Yes. And that's kind of an acronym that people can work out what it what it what it means to actually help them remember. Yeah. And so Mediocrities is currently is spelled M-E-D-I-O. C-R-A-T-E-S. Well, I really hope that people will uh, will go and join at least the free version. And, um, okay, so it'll be, it's a website, it's articles, and then with the membership, what will they, what what can they expect with the membership? There'll be some gonna, live yeah. Zooms or something like that? We're going to, we're going to have articles. We're going to have funny memes. We're going to have uh, videos. We have audio streams um yeah your chap the the article you wrote which will be Not, uh, what is it that's what i pay them for is my article yeah. exactly so we've got a, a podcast with you that's right but we all but we also have the taken from that podcast we've got uh just a six minute summary you know, six minute excerpts from that thing which are going to be the audio book chapter so instead of so instead of buying the book, if you want the audio book, it will be just excerpts from the interview with with Nina. So it's a little bit more fun than just having Nina read her chapter into the, a microphone. As great as she'd be, um, we thought we'd have fun. We'll have videos. Uh, we'll have workshops. We'll have Zoom. Um, Nina, what we're probably hoping to do is have you host some workshops uh, on our platform or at least promote them on our platform yeah, so sure. that... Um, People can start to access your brilliance more directly because, again, we're trying to just get people involved however they want to be involved. Do you want to just laugh about it? Do you want to do something? Do you want to engage with Nina and the other experts? And so we're going to do anything that seems like it's a good idea to help with that continuum. Right. Well, um, I think what you're doing is very worthy, Mark. I'm thrilled to be a part of it, and uh, I think it's going to really take off. And uh, we'll we'll create this movement together. I can't. Nina, wait. we're th- we're thrilled to have you, Nina, and um, thanks for having me on your podcast. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Well, you have a wonderful day, and so lovely to uh, chat with you again. So, see you again. You betcha. Thank you. Nina Sunday is on a mission, helping leaders transform culture. Nina travels from Brisbane, Australia for in-person presentations Australia-wide. Certified virtual presenter, Nina Sunday presents virtually, globally, for any time zone. To book Nina Sunday's CSP to speak at your conference, visit ninasunday.com to request a proposal. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.